All right. Um, yeah, as I was saying earlier, I don't know if you could hear me um, due to the music that was playing in the background. Um, it's it's incredible how within one day, you know, our lives can be turned upside down. I think if anything, this pandemic has taught us that there is nothing certain in this world and that plans and circumstances can change very drastically. So then it leaves us, you know, that question, what can we trust? Where is the ultimate solution and hope for humanity? And, you know, what what can give us that purpose and, and that um, hope that isn't going to leave us broken and shaken and disappointed? You know, last week I turned 38. I know most people don't like to reveal their age, but there it is, 38. And it felt like a big number. Um and if I think about it, a lot has happened in 38 years. I was born in one continent, grew up in another, and now live in a third. Believe it or not, I have moved over 20 times, um, have had 20 addresses in my 38 years of life. I've studied for 20 years, and I've been working for 22 years for 10 different employers. Got married, had two kids. So 38 years, there's a lot. That happened in 38 years. Now imagine 38 years, you know, when I think about that number, it's a huge number. Imagine 38 years of being a paraplegic in the first century AD when there were no wheelchairs, there was no social structures in place to support someone with mobility issues and special needs. 38 years of being dependent on someone carrying you to go to the toilet, um, someone to bring you food, um, to, to bring you water, to help you to change or to bathe. And if no one was available, you just have to stay in your soiled clothes or go hungry. No way to earn an income. You have to beg for pieces of scraps or for little bits of coin. And you have to suffer the disdainful looks of those who think that somehow this was your fault. And people who find your, your smell repulsive, who walk by without even glancing your direction. 38 years of despair and desperation. For 38 long years, such a man suffered. And we find that story in John chapter 5, verses uh, 1 to 5. John is one of the books of the New Testament in the Bible. And the writer, John, who was a firsthand witness of these events, he says, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first, after the stirring of the water, was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. There was a bit of superstition about that pool. Some believed that an angel would come and stir the water and whoever jumped in first would be healed. And it became this legend, and those who had no other hope would come here willing to try anything, waiting for the water to be stirred, and then stampeding each other to be the first one in. But would an angel of God really promote such a survival of the fittest mentality? 
um, there's evidence to suggest that this wasn't actually an angel from God and that this was alum, this in, in fact, in some of your trans- Bible translations, that little portion is not mentioned because in, so, in some of the earlier manuscripts uh, that were discovered um, dating to you know, the first and second centuries, um, there is no mention of the superstition. But in the later manuscripts that came uh, you know, a century or so later, you, you see that little note saying, hey, some believed that this is what was happening in that pool. So obviously during that time, there was this superstition, there was this tradition, there was this, this, this little hope um, that perhaps you might be healed. And perhaps this, in the spring, there was a bit of a bubble or, or something would stir and people would literally f- step on top of each other to get in. And even though I imagine that there wasn't great results, and in fact, probably people got more injured through this process, people from all backgrounds still gathered here because they had that little bit of hope and they had nowhere else to go. For many years, there was a lot of skepticism about even the existence of this pool. But in 1888, um, let me show you on the screen here. In 1888, archaeologists discovered this pool it was not found for a long time because there had been buildings built over it over the years. Um, and they, when the buildings finally collapsed, et cetera, they found under the ground um, this pool that had a depth of 13 meters or more. But scholars said, hey, that we found this pool that could be the Pool of Bethesda, but the Bible record said that there were five colonnades or five rows of columns, but there isn't. So is the biblical record wrong? Well, nearly a century later, um, in 1964, the pool was more carefully excavated. They were able to get back in there and they actually went deeper and they kept digging and they discovered that actually it's actually there was there were two pools that were separated by a colonnade in the middle. So then there was the missing fifth colonnade, um, just as John describes in John chapter five. And they believe that the way that um, this pool of Bethesda was, was um, you know, architecturally structured was that you've got the upper pool, which, is, which, which was the res- reservoir where the clean water flowed down to the lower pool. And they called it a mikvah, which is the Hebrew for kind of like the, the ritual purification waters. So it wasn't for leisure, you know, um, it wasn't a hot springs. It was a place where you went to do ritualistic purification, cleansing as required, um, in the, in their laws. And so this is what it was supposed to be, but here, because of this superstition and tradition and this, in this little bit of hope, the sick now gathered around this pool, trying to get in, trying to get well. And this man, for 38 years, was one of those individuals who waited and waited and had his hopes dashed again and again as he tried to get in, got pushed and shoved and and stepped on by others. And over the years, I wonder, you know, he's been sick for 38. I don't know how many of those 38 he's been at this pool, but I wonder if at some point he, he just gave up, but then where could he go? Where else could he go? Well, in that situation, one day Jesus walks in. And this is what the Bible says. It says in verse 6, When Jesus, who had come in to this pool, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? 
The sick man answered him, "Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me." What an interesting exchange! You know, Jesus knows this man has been here for a long time. You know, it's it. The passage suggests that Jesus knew that this man had been suffering for thirty-eight years. He knew what he had gone through. So why would he ask him, "Do you want to be made well?" Isn't the answer obvious? Why would Jesus ask him this? But then the answer is unexpected as well. You expect the man to say, "Yes, I do," but instead he says, "I don't have anyone to help me." And and he focuses on what he believes is the solution, which is I have, which is the stirring of the water and someone going in first. He says, "I have no one to help me," and other people prevent me from getting in, and they are basically stealing my healing. It's so easy to turn to despair when we've been down for a long time. I can understand why this man doesn't say yes. I want healing because all he can think about is how this pool has failed him. All he can think about is how God has failed him. And I think Jesus understood his heart because this is what happens next. Jesus said to him, "Rise, take up your bed, and walk." And immediately, the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. The Bible tells us, in few words, what happened. Enough words to help us to understand the story. But sometimes we really have to dig a little deeper. And、um, there was so much more to that than what is written, because you know the Bible writers. Um, had limited resources and time, and and they just wrote basically the, the the structural bones of the story. And sometimes they give us details, but you know sometimes we have to use our sanctified imagination to to really tease out what what was happening.、Um, and I want to show you a clip from the Chosen TV series. So I, I've mentioned this, and we've watched it before,、um, other episodes with you before. But the Chosen is a free TV series, mini series on the life of Jesus, and this is from season two, episode four. And hopefully, I can get this to work correctly.、Um, here's the clip. That's him. The one who's been here the longest, and doesn't belong. The sad one. Why do I get the feeling this isn't just a meeting? Do we need to be on the lookout? No. Now stay with me and watch. Question for you. For me. I don't have many answers, but I'm listening. 
Do you want to be healed? Who are you? I'll get to that later. But my question remains. Will you take me to the water? I'm having a really bad day. You've been having a bad day for a long time. So? Sir? I have no one to help me into the water when it's stirred up. And when I do get close, the others step down in front of me. I'm not asking you about who's helping you, who's not helping, or who's getting in your way. I'm asking about you. <laughs> I tried. false hope again, I understand. But this pool, it has nothing for you. It means nothing. And you know it. But you're still here. Why? I don't know. You don't need this pool. watch the rest of the episode and the other episodes um, on the free uh, 
website, thechosen.tv, thechosen.tv. I really like that line that Jesus, well, not Jesus, but the character of Jesus in the Chosen series says, where he says, hey, that's him, the one who's been here the longest, but doesn't belong. Who knows basically deep inside that this pool is not the answer, but is there anyway. I can really relate to that. Can you? I know what it's like to be somewhere that I know is not going to give me happiness, but I stay there anyway, right? Sometimes we spend hours or, or days or months or years investing our time, our money, our effort and lives into something or someone. And we know deep inside that this is not it. This is not where we're going to find our fulfillment. This is not what is going to bring us healing, but we stay there anyway. But it's a delusion. That rat race of whoever jumps in first winning, that promise of financial security. We buy into that story. We stay next to that pool, spending our lives there, only to be trampled on and beaten and, 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 and to be left exhausted and bitter. The illusion of that shimmer and shine that keeps us enslaved when God really wants to set us free. And the question that he asks us is, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be free from the burnout? Do you want to be healed from your anxiety? Do you want to be free from your pain? Or, or the, is the truth that we actually want to cling on to the thing? Because we still want to cling on to that false hope that what this world has to offer us is one day going to make us whole. We want to cling on to the lies of this world that if we just stick it out, one day we'll make it. And that if only others didn't get in the way, if only we had some extra opportunities, we would have we would have gotten there. Do we really want to be made whole? Do we really want Jesus to set us free? Do we really want to live by that truth that God is all we need, that God is enough? And I like how Jesus says, do you want to be made whole? And the implication is, do you want to be made whole by me? Or are you going to stay here and wait for that pool? The path to healing requires faith and action. Faith that if he says so, it is so. Faith that we can stand and walk away from whatever it is that we know we need to walk away from. Faith that becoming whole, it, it, it doesn't make sense to us, right? For the, for the paraplegic who had been lying down for 38 years, the only solution that he can see is the pool. And so it doesn't make sense when Jesus says, get up. Jesus didn't give him any indication of how it was going to work. He didn't describe the scientific physical process of how the muscles and the sinews would come back together. He didn't, he didn't say, um, he didn't give any evidence of his past healings. He didn't have to, you know, give long, um, you know, scriptural references of how he was the Messiah. He simply looked at him and said, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. And this man looked into Jesus' eyes and, and saw something there he had not seen for over 38 years. And he stands up. And, and you know, I like how the Chosen portrays him feeling something in his legs. And, and, and as, he, as, as the faith in his heart grows, that strength in his legs grows and he stands up. And it's a miracle and it's a mystery. And we don't get to experience that until we're willing to give God a chance until we're willing to put our faith and trust in him. 
and to decide that, yeah, we actually do want to be made well. Yeah, we actually now accept that what we've been waiting for is not the solution, that the only way forward is by fixing our eyes on Jesus. It takes action to rise up and walk away from our sins. In the book of Jeremiah chapter 2, in the Old Testament times, this is hundreds of years before this man by the pool, God was anguished in spirit because the people had turned away from him. But not only that, he says, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. You see, we're so spiritually thirsty. We're spiritually parched, not only because we have left the font, the source of that living water, Jesus, but we are also so exhausted digging, digging broken cisterns that are, are leaking, right? So we're, we're wearing ourselves out and getting more and more thirsty because we were expecting water here. We're expecting to be, to be quenched, to find meaning and fulfillment and purpose for our lives, and we're not finding it. And we're so exhausted and thirsty. And God is saying, hey, stop that digging, right? Stop building your life on something that is not going to satisfy. And, and look at me, the source of that living water. What are you living for? Where is the best of your time and your talent and resources going towards? And when you look at that and take stock of your life, right? And be honest with yourself. Do you really want to be made whole? Do you really want to be made whole by Jesus and not by the other things that you've been working towards. The Greek words that the writer John, and by the way, in the chosen show, it shows one of the disciples pulling out his journal, writing it down, and presumably that's John, you know, recording what's happening. The Greek words that the writer John, uh, in this passage, who was the first uh, hand witness of what happened, he describes the, the command that Jesus says to get up and walk. And he uses different verb tenses. So for the get up, it's that one action of get up, right? You make that decision. Yes, I want change. Yes, I want Jesus. I, I'm going to choose to believe. But then the next set of uh, verb there where he says, and walk. In the Greek, it actually means keep walking. It's, it's that tense of verb tense where you are continuously walking, meaning you get up and you walk and you walk and you walk and you keep on walking. And that's, that's the journey of that Christian faith where we, where we decide, yeah, it might be that decision. Yeah, I want Jesus. But then you have to keep on walking. You have to keep on walking away from the thing that was the false hope that actually kept you enslaved. And you walk and you walk towards Jesus. The invitation in Isaiah chapter 55, once again, Isaiah was a contemporary of Jeremiah. Um, so hundreds of years before the people had turned away from God. And I, this is one of my favorite passages. Isaiah chapter 55, God says, come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. Skipping ahead to verse six. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, 
Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Right? It's not the pool. Right? As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Skipping ahead to verse 12. You will go out in joy and will be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper. Instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. You see, all of those who are thirsty, right? Who are tired and thirsty. God says, come to me. And not only will I fill you up, but I'm going to make you a fountain of water so that because of you, where there were thorns, now there's going to be trees, trees clapping their hands with joy. I love that image. Lots of people and lots of things promise us hope and healing and stability. But only God can give us purpose, meaning, community, and healing so that we can live in freedom and peace and joy and so that we can be a true blessing to others. And I'm not saying that it's not important to go to work and do the other things we have to do. That's not what I'm saying. Of course we have to do those things. But are we expecting those things to be our source of wholeness? Are we expecting those things to bring us meaning and joy and community? And I'm saying, no. That's not where the source of our healing comes from. That's not where the source of our peace is going to come from. And so we can still go to work. We can still do all these other things. But we have to invest in and make time for God if we really want to be made well. This is what Cynthia has discovered. Cynthia is a musician who lives in Queensland. For many years, she performed and taught at universities and was at the height of her career. But then came loss and heartache and illness. And this is her story in her own words. She writes, For me, the kernel of truth is that there is no situation so dire that the Lord cannot use it for good. I had to experience so many losses before I found my way to Christ. My losses were pretty big, but even 20 plus years of chronic illness was not enough. Total loss of my ability to function as a musician was not enough. Total loss of my health to the point that I could not function without a carer, and it was still not enough. But here is where the miracle began to take shape. I found myself living with an Adventist lady as my carer. She did not talk about her belief, but she lived it strongly. This impressed me, but still was not enough. So many fearful things were happening in the world, but still that was not enough. Then COVID struck last year, and all of a sudden my care was home on Saturdays, and she started listening to sermons online. My fear levels had gone through the roof, and unbeknownst to me, I had started to search for something. I became curious about the Sabbath. I became curious about listening to the sermons that my care was listening to. And the twist in the story is that the sermons that she listened to were our sermons, our live stream at Melbourne City Avenue Church because Cynthia's carer is Natalia's mom, Leslie. And when the pandemic um, closed Leslie's church doors, Natalia from our church had said to her mom, hey mom, you can listen to um, our, you know Melbourne City Avenue's live stream and she had sent her the link. And so then Leslie had been had started watching our church 
live streams. And Cynthia, who for years had been unsatisfied, right? Left, left wanting more, but not knowing where to look. She, out of, you know, all these factors working on her heart and the Holy Spirit, she decided to watch with her. And the sermon that she watched was the sermon that, I don't know if, if you all remember, but uh, last year um, we started a, a, a series, was it last year or this year? Now I'm getting confused. But sometime I started preaching, uh, Roy and I, on the series on the pioneers of faith. And the very first sermon on that series was about Martin Luther's wife, Katharina von Bora. And Cynthia watched that sermon and she started asking questions. And Leslie loaned her the book, The Great Controversy by Ellen White, which narrates the history of the church from the first century and, and to the present day and, and beyond to last the events. And she was captivated. And then in January of this year, Cynthia started reading the Bible for herself, as well as the book Desire of Ages, which beautifully portrays the life of Jesus. And by Easter of this year, Cynthia had given her heart to Jesus and she decided to get baptized and she's getting baptized, um, in Queensland next Saturday is what I've been told. Um, and I wish I could be there. Cynthia ends her story this way. She writes, I have a firm grip on Christ's hand now, and I'm going to hang on no matter what. I've had that image ever since hearing the sermon on Martin Luther and his wife, where she hung on to Christ like a burr in a winter coat. That image works wonderfully for me, and that is how I am hanging on. I'm also finding that my health is improving and my flute playing is improving, for which I'm immensely grateful. I know in my core, no matter what lies in store, and I'm sure there are plenty of terrible things ahead, Christ can use them all for good for those who hold fast to him. Cynthia, I know you're watching. You've been watching us every week since. Cynthia, I want to thank you for sharing your story with me and with allowing, giving me permission to share your story with everyone else. Leslie, I want to thank you for your faithfulness. For three years, Cynthia was telling me that for years, you've been showing her consistent kindness and love, and that left an impression. That made her want to know more. And so thank you for your, your spiritual uh, guidance and love for Cynthia. And Natalia, thanks for sharing, simply sharing a link um, and simply saying just as the disciples did when, when, when Jesus first came um, into the public ministry and people wanted to, know more, wanted to know more, he simply said, come and see, come and see. And that's the appeal that I'd like to make to you today. If you're too tired of waiting for the world to deliver on its promises. If you're tired of waiting for the people to give you the love and the belonging that you've been longing for. If you're tired of waiting for the world to become a safer place, to be a fairer place, to be a kinder place. You're t if you're tired of keeping up with the Joneses, to keep spinning the corporate hamster wheel, to keep pretending everything's okay when it's not. I want to invite you to come and see who Jesus is and how he is different from anyone you've ever met. And specifically, I want to invite you this week to one of three things. You can do one, or you can do two, or you can do three. The first is, there is a little devotional reading plan. So it loosely, it follows the Chosen Series episode, but it's really about the Bible passages themselves. And there's a 40-day one, but we're just going to do five-day, a short version, um, and so if you go to that QR code and you, and it's the Bible, the version Bible app, um, and you can do it online, or if you have it on your phone, you can do it on your phone. 
And basically, um, you'll be doing this plan with me. So the idea is we'll start tomorrow and it will take us to the end of the seven-day lockdown. So if we start tomorrow, it'll take us to like, uh, Friday, hopefully, which will be the last day of our lockdown. And during this time, let's just focus on Jesus. Let's come and see who Jesus is through this devotional uh, reading plan. The second option is um, for you to read John chapter 5. Joshua, please go upstairs. Yeah, I'll give you more in a minute. Please go upstairs. Joshua's coming. Okay, I'll give you more. I told you not to interrupt me. Go upstairs. <laughs> the second, um, the second um, challenge, so one is, is the Bible reading plan. If you want additionally something else as well, I want to I wanna invite you to read John chapter 5 in its entirety for yourself and reflect on what it means um, and, and who Jesus is. And then the third challenge is, if you wanted to read a little bit more and dig a little bit deeper, for those of you um, who like reading, or actually there's an audio version of this as well, so you can listen to it in the in um, listen to it. Hold on one second. Hey Joshua, Joshua, just wait two minutes, okay? Just wait two minutes, please. Um, so the third one is, if you go to this QR code, it's going to take you to an online free. Um, the whole book Desire of Ages is on there, but I'm just asking you to read chapter 21, which is about John chapter 5, which is about this uh, story that we just talked about. And so that's your third challenge. So like I said, you could do all three or you could just pick which one you'd like to do. Um, but I would really love you to to explore this story further because next week I'm going to be doing part two. Today, I wanted to introduce you to the story, but next week, I'm going to dig a little deeper because there's a lot of questions that we haven't answered yet, such as, you know, Jesus healed this man, but what about the others? And how come, you know, this man was healed, but how can we go through so much today? And, and it seems like our answers, our prayers are not being answered. Some, some of us are, are, are struggling physically or socially or financially, and we're praying and we're waiting for Jesus, but how come he's not acting? So next week, we're going to explore the question of suffering, explore the question of what it means to be healed um, and how we can then contribute to the healing in the world and how we can be that source of water that brings about life um, rather than contributing to the spiritual thirst of the world. But it all starts with that first step of deciding that indeed we do want to be made well, right? It all starts with us saying, yes, Jesus, we want you to make us whole. And my prayer is that today you will make that decision and that um, you'll join me as we pray now. Dear Heavenly Father, we confess that for so long we have been waiting by the pool, whatever that pool represents for us. Even though it hasn't satisfied us, even though it hasn't brought us joy, it hasn't brought us peace, but we keep waiting for it to, to deliver on its promises. And we confessed, Father, that we've been staying there even though we know deep in our hearts this is not it. And we ask for the courage and the faith to be able to get up and walk away. Whether it's something that's been distracting us, whether it's something that's been hurting us, Father, you know Search our hearts and help us to identify what that it is in our lives. And Father, we want to be made whole. We really do. We really want the peace that passes all understanding. We really want a life purpose that isn't just about 
financial stability or, you know, a house and a, and a, and a partner and, and two kids and a dog. We want more than that. We want, Father God, a purpose and a, and a meaning that's going to bring us that joy and that and that inexplicable something that makes us truly put up our hands and worship you. And Father, we want to be able to have answers to the life to the, to the questions that this life brings about suffering and about the whys of what we go through, even this pandemic. And so, Father, we do want to be made whole. Help us to to take that leap of faith that even though all our questions haven't been answered yet, that we, we first take that step to to choose to believe in you, to choose to go into that journey of spending time with you and getting to know you. And Father, as we continue this story next week, and as we um, answer the the invitation to explore that, Father God, we would take the time to listen to your still small voice, to listen to your invitation to be made whole by you. Please watch over everyone um, during this time, during this lockdown. Help us to uh, experience your peace that somehow during this lockdown we'll be able to um, actually be blessed. We pray, and and I, we want to pray for those who are sick, um, that you would please help them to get better. And yes, help help this world, Father. We desperately need you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.